Tell me, are you planning to hire in 2021? Do you lead a small team, perhaps? Are you responsible for some staff? Maybe you've read a little Brene Brown, a little Simon Sinek, and you're thinking, I should really apply some of this to my work and to my team, but I really don't know where to start. There's so much to think about outside of the day-to-day of running your small business. Well, today's guest is here to help. She is your go-to woman. In fact, I, being someone that has led teams in the past, was nerding out so hard on some of the concepts that we talk about today that I had to hold myself back from having a two or three hour conversation with this woman. We kept it to about an hour, so you get a lot in this conversation with Shaylee Trentham. Shaylee Trentham designs developmental conversations for authentic leaders across multiple organizational industries. After several years of developing leader training programs in higher education, she began collaborating as a consultant for companies passionate about employee experience. Oh, I love that. While teaching leadership studies to undergraduates in the university classroom. Shaylee is founder of Coffee on Leadership. Don't you love that? That name, a team of organizational development or OD consultants coaching leaders in developmental strategy for more authentic impact in their organizational roles. She also hosts a podcast, a great podcast, if you are new to leading, of the same name. And if you're someone that's busy, this is also really great because. They're less than 30 minutes and they focus on a couple of topics that you can implement that week in your work. In this conversation, Shaylee and I talk about some of the core challenges new leaders face, including learning about your own leadership style. Where do you even start? Designing your core values as a business, boundaries, delegation versus enrollment, and so much more. You are going to love this episode. One thing though, before we get into this conversation, you might recall that a few weeks ago, I ran an epic masterclass called Rock Your Vision. This masterclass was centered around planning for a solid year in business, which by the way, None of this planning has to strictly happen on January 1st. If you missed out on that day and you want a reset, then this masterclass is for you. You will be set up with the right goals on the board by the end of our 60 minutes together. The ones that move the needle and create revenue, create opportunities for you in your small business, and finally have your mindset dialed in. If you'd like to check it out, click the link in the show notes below and it will take you straight to the masterclass. There's also a great workbook that I've created so that you can play along and do this work in your own time. This is all completely free. I'm giving it to you because I really want to make sure that you kick some goals this year. You kick ass, like let's do it. It's 2021. It's no no mucking around folks. Okay, let's get into episode 78. I was almost going to say 28. We are at 78 people with Shaylee Trentham.
Welcome to the True to You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful and creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you truly love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome to the True to You podcast, Shaylee. It's wonderful to be here with you today and um, zooming in all the way from San Diego, sunny San Diego now. (laughs) That actually sounds so weird since we just moved down here from LA. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited with you today. Yeah, yeah. And we have a mutual friend in Grace. People are probably thinking, gosh, (laughs) Ruby has all of Grace's community on her podcast. But that is that is why we be we become part of communities and why we are fortunate to have someone like Grace leading an amazing community because she has such rock stars on her um Fill up your cup Fridays. You've you've done a session, is that correct? I have. I have been one of her guest experts. And yes, she she just brings together community in the most authentic way, truly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very much her genius zone. Um, and I wanted to get Shaylee on today because we were just chatting about small business and some of the growing pains that you can experience showing up as a leader, growing a small team. Often if you're growing a team, it might be you and one other person or you and a handful of people on your team. And so it really shines through how good of a leader you are, where some areas of improvement are, some things that are maybe a little bit sticky and you're like, wow, I didn't realize that hiring a team was going to show up all of these things for me. And this is really scary. So Shaylee is here today to help support you and guide you and share some of her amazing wisdom because this is her zone of genius. And I wanted to know first, Shaylee, how you got to start working as a leadership consultant. Was that always what you started out doing? What's this career journey been like? And I know that you've also worked with Lululemon before, which is a company close to my heart. So I'm sure that'll drop in in the conversation (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Yes. Um, No, I did not set out to be a leadership consultant. Uh, That was was kind of how when I landed in this position, it all made sense, right? Because I was looking back at the course of my career and the trajectory that I had taken to get to where I am now. And of course it made sense. Like I can look back on all of my experiences and piece them together and feel like, oh, every step that I took got me to this place that I am at right now. Right. And we often feel that way. And I think I have the the story of many people where my, this life that I set out to live was not one that I could have planned. It went so much 
better than I could have planned, but it really was just taking one step at a time and saying yes to different things over the course of my life that then every experience I picked up along the way led me to where I am now. So to give you a little bit of a background, um, when I went to university, I, I had left high school. I was an athlete. And so when I went into university, I wanted to not play sports. And that was such a big part of my identity as a leader. Even I had, you know, been team captain and I had done all of these things along this journey to be this athlete. And then I went to college and realized I want to pursue art. That was another passion of mine. And so I went into college as an art major and quickly decided that was not the road for me. And so then came across um, a degree program called Media Studies that was rooted in communication. And that really was this path that I took on of how I wanted to tell stories. And so I started this journey of, of how do I tell stories? And so I took journalism classes and media classes and, and went that direction and and then after I graduated from college, I said yes to a role um, within a family company doing essentially management and community development. Um, and it was this role that stretched me in new ways to figure out how to lead others. And then I found my way. I'm like, this is like the fast version, but, <laughs> but you're getting it all. But I found my way back into higher education and at my alma mater. And I went back to work there. And while I was there, started a grad program uh, in leadership. And so that's kind of how I got to that point. But it all was this uh the step-by-step process of, of just following things that I was passionate about. I think we talked, and we, you and I have talked about this too, about multi-passionate leaders and people using all of their strengths in the role that they are in. And for me, it was really picking up all of these skill sets along the way. In college, I was, I played intramural sports and had these teams that I was a part of. I, I was a student leader. And so I led peers and friends. And then I brought that back to the university and I was in residence life. And so I was developing community on a large scale through events, through co-curricular learning. And then while I was in the leader development program there at the university, getting my master's degree, I was I was then taking everything I was learning in the classroom, I was taking night classes and bringing that to work the next day. And that really unfolded into developing, essentially by the time I left the university, I was developing uh, leadership development programs that were part of training and development, uh, uh, training and development processes for the university. And And then when I left, it was after I had two kiddos, I became a mama and was like, okay, what is the next step for me? Because my role is very time intensive and I want more space. And so I, I actually left that role and helped to launch a, a new degree program at the university called interdisciplinary studies that was rooted in this idea that we can bring together multiple disciplines and fields to create career paths for our students. And that was something I loved and was so passionate about. And then when that season of launching ended, I, I wanted to leave higher ed. And for me, that was, the again, another twist and turn that I didn't see coming. And so I left higher ed. And that is when I went to Lululemon. My husband was uh -huh. like, if you could work anywhere, where would you want to work? And I was like, I want to go learn how people are doing leader development in the retail space. I really want to figure this out. And I had done some freelance work for Lululemon in the past. And so it was a natural progression to go try this out. And so I got to see behind the, the scenes at a company that was doing leader development really well from entry-level position, from an educator role, what they call their educators, all the way up through senior leadership. 
And that was so fun for me. And so I spent, I did a three month contract with Lulu, um, helping out with community development. And I was one of their key leaders and the best part of it was I was still teaching at the university. <laughs> so for listeners, this is way too long. Ruby, I'm so sorry. You can cut this all down. But <laughs> for <laughs> listeners, I also teach in the university classroom and am a professor. And so I had students who were in my class, in my leadership class, focused on career development, who I was also their supervisor at Lululemon. And that is an integrated approach to leader development that I think... Um, I'm really lucky to have of seeing how do we look at the whole person and the way that we develop them in the classroom, at work, outside of the classroom, because as you know, Lulu is really big on development of the team outside of the building, right? Going out and working out together. And, and so that was something that was a really big deal. So, so all of that is kind of a part of this collective journey that put me into spaces where I'm doing leadership consulting and it's my hired background. And then I turned consultant and it was, the most natural progression. So that's all of it. That yeah. was way too long. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I I was nodding my head so many times through you sharing that story. I think one of the the biggest takeaways that I got from that, which you're probably aware of now, it's like all all reflection when we look back on our, our career journey, we see these these things. I think what was really cool is that you were able to also at times separate yourself from the the titles and shift your identity quite a lot too, which is a skill in itself, having come from architect to doing what I do now and, and various things through that path that we hold so much onto these identities of who we were, the titles, things like that. And, and I think being able to follow more of your intuition and follow more heart-led leadership, I think, as well of, of yourself, but also probably of what you need, saw others needed as well was really, really key. And that takes a Oh, that that takes a certain kind of person to be able to do that. So I really honor you for that because I know the struggle we can go through when we change careers or navigate slightly different pivots in our career, but it can mean that we change titles and uh, even going from a, a, lo a lot of people don't realize until you're actually inside Lululemon how incredible it is. And I know it's not a company for everyone as well. So I've also, <laughs> I also respect that too, because they are incredibly driven and they lead their teams in a certain way. That's, that is not for ev not everyone, but if you have the opportunity to be inside a company like that, it's really interesting because I jumped on the floor as an educator as well, having had the title architect previously, but sure enough, if you jump into that role head first and you really get your hands dirty, there's so much that you can do, isn't there? That it's like, wow, this is so much more than just a retail assistant job. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, and that's even, that's part of the philosophy that I so admired about the company. And I think even entrepreneurs across the board need to consider how when you look at development of the whole person, we're looking at development of the whole person in any role they're in, right? And so when we look at 
teams. And I know we're going to go there today talking about teams and building teams, but we're really looking at this idea that we should be developing our entry-level employees or our interns with the same amount of support and care that we would develop our CEO. And so when we're doing that, we've, we're creating this system and this culture of care in our development that sh shows that we care about everyone and we're passionate about the develop of everyone, development of everyone so that across the board, we're learning and growing as an organization or as a company. It's a group process. And so we can't leave anyone out of that growth and that innovation behind, uh, behind the way we're doing team. Yes, yes. And I think something in that is that they talk about agile leadership as well. And I think agility in this time that we're living in when things are moving really fast and economies are changing. And so that means that we need to have that degree of agility and flexibility. And if you develop someone's leadership skills, it also doesn't matter what role they're in, they're able to carry those skills across. And also that probably means that you start to realize, well, what position should this person really be in? They've come into our company doing this, but actually they really shine in this area, which is something that you probably see as well. And with small teams to be able to ne negotiate that and manage that can be a real asset for you as well because you can also hold on to people for much longer. Right. Yeah, I think that agility that you're talking about is key, especially right now. I think that's a big topic I'm seeing in the leadership research right now is agility. How do we show up as leaders who are flexible, who, and, and there's, it's, it goes a layer deeper than flexibility, right? When we talk mm -hmm. about agility, it's, a, it's not just uh, showing up and being able to pivot. It's showing up and actually being prepared to move and prepared to lean into that agility. And so, yeah, I think you're on, you're on to that thing there. Yeah. That. Good, good distinction there though, I think as well, is that sometimes the flexibility is maybe on a, on a short term day to day sometimes. And then agility is often like, let's look at the big picture and what we need right here at the moment. So you have created a consultancy called Coffee on Leadership, which for all my coffee fans, I mean, this sounds like a great name for a company, right? <laughs> Who doesn't want coffee and leadership together? And you have a beautiful team of consultants and some of your consultants have been on your podcast. So it's really great to get to know your team. Shaylee has a great podcast centered around leadership and leadership skills. If you want to take some of this work a little bit deeper. And I guess the name lends itself to a, an interesting story. Like how do you put those two things together and, and, Tell me, why did you choose to have a team of consultants as opposed to other business models? And what does Coffee on Leadership do? What does that, what does that look like for you as a team? Yeah, so, so one of the top values of Coffee on Leadership and, and why I really started into the consulting field is um, accessibility. So when we look at leadership development as a whole, part of what I was seeing is organizations 
doing leader development for their top tier of employees, right? Their C-suite was getting executive development, executive coaching. Um, their senior directors were maybe getting special uh, in-services or off-site days that they could go and be developed. And I was seeing this gap between then how we were actually a- approaching leader development as the whole for the whole unit of an organization. And and so really it started with that idea of accessibility of how do we create leader development that we can call on over a cup of coffee? How do we consider that really good education, really good developmental moments can happen when a leader in any position in an organization calls uh, someone they're supervising into their office and says like, hey, sit down for a cup of coffee, let's chat. Because that is sometimes where our greatest learning and development happens over the casual conversation in the office or the casual conversation in the workplace. Um, and so and so that's kind of what it's rooted in. I also happen to love coffee, so it helped to bring that into the brand. But essentially then that's how this journey for me started is it I was hosting leaders from all different areas in my living room on Friday mornings before they went out to work. And so we were having these developmental conversations and the goal was to have an hour-long conversation together, share our pain points and what we were headed into in that day. And it hopefully guided the rest of our day and really was then an intention to carry whatever it was we were talking about in our development into the way we developed our teams moving forward. And then that gave way to these coffee houses that I was hosting. We called them coffee houses, uh, where I would gather all these women I was mentoring who had worked for me in the past who I have kind of a big network. And so I was like, if I could get all of these women in a room together to have a conversation about their leadership, I wouldn't even have to do anything. They would have the conversation on their own. And that's that accessibility piece is it's sometimes just opening up that door uh, for the right people to step into the room, right? To sit at the table. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Coffee and Leadership started as was was events for leaders to come and sit at the table and I would throw out a topic for conversation and and they led. It was it was very organic. And that accessibility is what led me to do this team model of bringing on my associate team. It really was I was having conversations in the leadership space. I was in the research and uncovering these ideas and these frameworks that I was developing to make leadership more accessible. And then I was having friends who would who were in the leadership space reaching out with ideas. And yeah, yeah, and it really, it came down to in 2020, we were lonely (laughs) feeling like we're doing this work at home, we're siloed. And so how do we put all of this research together? And um, it it just worked out that these associates are gifted in research as well. And so we kind of brought uh, our expertise from different fields together and said, let's put this together and let's, let's navigate this leadership space together. And we all have a similar framework that we all came from a higher ed background and believe in a learning space that is rooted in development, rooted in wholeness. And then we're really navigating that space and figuring out how to uh, treat our clients well with looking at this whole person process together and yet bring really solid leader development to the table. Mm, mm. Yes, yes, because I I think whenever you're working with a company and they're investing money in this, especially if you're helping them to see that they need to invest this at all levels of the company, they don't just want this to be a nice, nice fluffy thing. They want to actually see results, don't they? They want to know the results. (laughs) I think that's part of it is it's not just, I mean, we're not coming in 
and kind of when you're asking what we do, we do a little bit of everything from uh, developmental workshops to program design to coaching. But essentially, it's all rooted in in the research that's out there and connecting these really solid research frameworks that mm-hmm. exist about leadership. And so much of leadership is languaging. Um, it's figuring out the right language for the situation, right? Mm-hmm. So most times when I'm working with leaders who need help in un- unpacking or working through a problem with their teams, it's usually that they just, n- they feel it. They know what they're feeling inside. They know what's right and what's wrong in a situation, or they know that something's off with a team member. It's coming up with the right language for the situation and coming up with the right uh, process to keep walking forward. And so that's that's quite a bit of what we do is understand what's happening in the research to then know how to prescribe next steps, how to develop programs that are meaningful and rooted in actual frameworks that will help an organization move forward. Mm, Amazing. I would love to know from those conversations that you had with the leaders, I think, you know, it's such an incredible initiative that you started, by the way, because... I think it's very easy to sit back sometimes. And I actually shared something yesterday around building communities that it doesn't have to be massive events. You were doing some of these things in your house (laughs) and it could be taking a group of women out for coffee or a team that you want to support or whoever it is. But I just want to say hats off to you for creating that space and helping these people to be heard. I would love to know in those conversations, there would have been some fairly consistent themes, I imagine, some roadblocks that they continually came up against. What were some of those common challenges that it doesn't matter really who the team is or what level, but they constantly come up about? Yeah, what were some of those constant challenges that you heard? Yes. Um, Number one was leader identity, is owning our leadership identity in any context that we're in. So when I was bringing groups together, it was the goal was to bring people together for a conversation, but we had to create a common ground, right, to have that conversation. And so the first thing that I would always start off with is who who would call themselves a leader? And I had invited, especially in the early days of Coffee and Leadership, I had invited women to the table who I knew were actually in positions of leadership in organizations. And I knew were leading other people well and had impact and influence. And yet they wouldn't raise their hand. And so we had to create this baseline of, okay, how do we begin to understand leader identity? And how do we begin to build out language for ourselves and how we own our leadership journey and our transformation. And so that was always the number one thing. And, and I see that even in working now with a lot more small business owners and entrepreneurs, it's they're running their company. And that is a really big deal. And sometimes the first conversation we get to have when I'm in a coaching setting with them is lining up the events that got them to where they are, that solidify the fact that they are leading, that they are a leader. I believe that every person is a leader. Wherever you have impact and influence, you're a leader. And sometimes that's just over yourself. That's self-leadership. You have the opportunity to show up and be in control of how you are leading yourself in the moment. And so that was always the first roadblock to get through was having everyone agree, we are all here. We are all leaders. 
and we have impact and influence. But then the other things that I came across with leaders was the one was time. Often leaders are so pressed at all areas of their life, like they're at full capacity and time is something that they don't have. And so when we're talking leader development, uh, that is something that sounds great in theory, but as a leader who is managing a team, who is juggling budget lines, who is figuring out how to move people from point A to point B, time feels uh, non-existent for sometimes. So the, t- the being able to section out time for development, which I would say that that should be the number one thing you should make time for is development of yourself as a leader. Um, I'm totally biased, but I think that's the number one thing. And so when I would work with leaders, it's they would come to the table and say, I don't have time to talk about this. And that's where I was hosting coffee houses originally um, out of my backyard and bringing women together on Saturday mornings because Monday through Friday they were leading. And this wasn't something they felt they could fit into their schedule as directors, VPs, women across the board who were truly leading well, but this had to be this add-on in their life. And then we would turn the conversation around to be like, this is really should be the number one thing. This should be the center of your schedule. Um, So time is the number one and feedback is the, the number two roadblock that people were facing. And so I don't know, Ruby, if you ever feel this, but you just feel like, great, I did 10 things and I have no idea if they went well or not. I perceive them as that went well on one end, but I I don't have any way to measure this. I don't have any way to measure my performance. That's often where with leaders, they're just in the grind and they know what they need to do to get done, but then they have no scale of, okay, I got it done, but did I do it well? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, feedback is the other thing. And that's where I work with women to and men to navigate um, our developmental networks of support to figure out how are we getting feedback even in, you know, our personal areas of our life, but how are we developing feedback loops for ourselves to be in that constant growth cycle? Oh, yeah. Feedback was probably... <laughs> Uh, remember FFIs, Feedback for Improvement at Lululemon. <laughs> Those conversations uh, took so much, mm. A, guts to have, but B, it, there was there was frameworks and structures, but it's really a lot of practice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, leaving your assumptions at the door and it's that language piece and communication, uh, I think, that was when I was really first introduced to in the moment feedback as something that should be a constant practice. Yes. In my previous career, it was done, but it wasn't done very well. <laughs> it was yeah. done quite awkwardly, I think. Well, so. well, I mean, I think even, yeah, I used to tell my teams because we had annual reviews, right? Those are the big big meetings that were big and scary. Um, I always told them there is nothing that should happen in that meeting that you don't already know, Mm. right? Because I should, if I have done my job well as a leader, you should have all of that information and you should know where you have opportunities for growth already. You should know what you're doing well already. That's part of this. When we hear feedback, we always think criticism, Mm. right? And that's also where our mind goes. We, We have trained ourselves so that I could tell you right now on the show, I could tell you 20 things I love about you and that I see coming out in your podcast and you're online when I follow you, right? 20 wonderful things. And then I could say, now, Ruby, I need to tell you something that I think you could work on. And I could tell you that negative, and I'm using air quotes here, negative thing. And that is the thing that you would think about for the rest of the day. 
no matter what, you would overthink it. You would be like, gosh, how can I talk to Shaylee about this thing? And how can I fix it? And, and we fixate on that. And we're wired to do that. But, but that's where I think that when we talk about feedback cultures for our businesses and for our organizations, we really have to look at both sides of how are we offering in the moment feedback when somebody needs help, when they need assistance, when they need leadership in knowing where to go next. But how do we celebrate better? And how do we uh, point out people's strengths more? And how do we bring up all of those great things that somebody's doing as well so that we have this balance so that, again, we're celebrating, celebrating, celebrating so that when we have to have that hard conversation because, you know, you made a mistake and we all do it, then it's that much easier because we know that the person would know we care. And we're coming at them with, I care about you and I know you're capable and competent. It's not about that. It's just about, we also need to do this differently next time. Mm. Right? So that feedback uh, system has to be full circle. It has to be inclusive of every, every part of a person. Yes, 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 yes. And <laughs> one thing that comes to mind is, is really if, you, if you're leading a team at a basic level, people want to be seen and heard. Yes. They want to know that that, that you see them. Uh-huh. And it's very easy. I also imagine now that a lot of our teams are working remotely because not, not because of what's happened last year, but simply that's how we want to set up our business and we want to get the right people. And sometimes they're not located exactly where we are. And so I think there's that gap can widen, can't it, when we're not around them all day and and in that intimate office setting to Mm -hmm. be able to have that person be seen and and know that they're doing a good job. (laughs) It's really hard. So it takes responsibility from both sides, I think, Mm -hmm. to navigate this this new time that we're in and the way that we're, we're managing teams and leading teams. I would love to get into a little bit of nitty gritty around, Mm. we've already talked about feedback, which is, is so important and a little around communication. A lot of the women listening to this, perhaps they already lead a small team or they're thinking about employing people one, half a dozen, maybe not huge teams. Okay. But it's still scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and suddenly they have they go from sole trader or solopreneur to suddenly, oh, okay, I've got to be responsible for this other person, apart from all of the legalities and financial things that go along with that, which is often what you first think about. <laughs> then it's like, oh, holy crap, I've got to lead this person. Mm-hmm. And when we're setting out to organize the work structure and and the workflow and things one thing that often comes up is how do I how do I delegate to this person what do I delegate and often there's a lot of conversation around delegation and something that I learned about at, at Lululemon I'm going to talk about Lulu a lot but you guys it's <laughs> there's, there's a lot of yeah this is a lot of where I learned about proper leadership, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so one thing we used to talk about there was working on our capacity to enroll our teams and to enroll someone in 
a bigger vision, but also in something that you want done. And the words I come back to is how can you leave them feeling touched, moved and inspired? Mm. Wasn't it? That was, that was the, the picture that we would have in our head before we went into a conversation. So talk to me a little bit about the differences between enrolling versus delegating, why we kind of get into this habit of of more delegation versus enrolling. Right. Unpack that a little bit for me <laughs> and what, what your expertise. Yes. Yes. Um, tell us. This is, this is a topic I love because I, I almost feel like it falls in line with our traditional thinking of management versus leadership, right? Yes. Like when we think of management, we think of managing people and, and with that comes micromanaging. But when we think of leadership, we think of showing people the way and, and having them follow, right? And it's more of a guide process. And I think of that with delegating and enrolling as well. So when, especially for, for small businesses, you as the leader of your small business embody everything about that business, right? You, you have put your blood, sweat, and tears probably into developing the mission and vision of your organization. You are solving a problem that you likely had as a person, right? And so you found a way to then do that for others. And so when I look at small businesses and work with small businesses, I see that their value system that is the foundation of their organization or their small business is in perfect alignment with their personal value system. And so the biggest problem they have in bringing on a team is letting go a little bit, right, of some of the things they've held so close to them that is like etched on their heart when it comes to their everyday business. And so when we think about delegating, it becomes a very scary process because you're letting go of something that you have built from the ground up and you're letting go of a process that is so ingrained in you that you almost don't know how to communicate it out. And so Mm -hmm. delegation becomes scary really, really scary. Um, and, and so here's the, the shift that I like to make with delegation and enrollment. No matter what, as, an, as a business owner, as a leader, you have to let go of things. So when we delegate, um, we are asking somebody to do something for us. We're saying, can you do this for me? Mm-hmm. There's no really true meaning behind it, right? And, and that's where I would tell people, like, you may often have to delegate to outside contractors. That just happens. Like, for me, that's taxes. We delegate that out. I have no, no ownership of <laughs> that, but they also have no ownership of my company. With enrollment, we're talking about bringing people into your vision and your values as an organization, as a small business, as a leader, and getting people to understand that, to trust that, to connect with that. And when they have connected with that, then we're enrolling and we're saying, hey, I know you believe in this with me and I trust you to steward the work, right? I I want you to join me in this work. Mm -hmm. And so the key part of this with small business owners is sometimes that enrollment period or the realization that they need to be better at enrollment happens too late. It's like, oh no, I didn't communicate that well and they did it wrong (laughs) is usually the thought process. But what we really have to do is take like a few steps backwards and look at it and think through, okay, it's not just that I maybe communicated it wrong, that specific task. It's that I need to back up and help them see the vision, see the bigger picture and understand why we're doing this. Right. We talk a lot of, we've talked about why before, um, 
I'm like, is this in a conversation? I may have been when you were on my podcast. I'm not sure, but we've talked about why. And it's, it's really rooting our own why so well that we know how to communicate that to others and enroll them in the process. So again, it's not just, Hey, I need you to do this for me. It's, Hey, I need you to believe in this with me. I need you to take this on because I trust you. I believe that enrollment is rooted in connection and trust and delegation is letting go completely of the things that are not so closely tethered to our values and vision. And, and it's okay to have moments of both, truly. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's something too. We have to know when to delegate and we have to know when to enroll. Yes, yes. And I love, I, there's so much in, in that conversation alone. I feel like we could talk about those. We talk things. about enrollment all day long. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really great to hear you explain that because I think that those two things, people are probably most aware of delegation, that they feel like that's what they need to get better at mm-hmm. and understanding what does enrollment look like? When might you need it? When you might, when you might need to use Brene Brown's phrase, circle back and enroll, re-enroll the person. And I guess enrollment is not something you just do once a quarter when you're like, okay, this is what we're rolling out for this quarter. It's something that you often have to come back to and remind people. And that's usually also when you do remind them, they remember why they were attracted to work for you in the first place, right? And so it provides that that deeper connection and then you you're grounded in that and then you can go from there. So yes. Yes, yeah. it's like I I tell leaders that it's one important to know our values, right? But it's important to know how we actually operationalize our values. Mm-hmm. Like how our employees are tethered to those values in the everyday task because otherwise yeah. they're just showing up and doing their work, right? And they think What does this even matter? But when we can operationalize our values and say, when I show up in the company values, this is what I'm doing. And and by finishing that sentence, by saying, when I show up in the company values, I am leading authentically, or I am communicating well with a client, or I am delivering education to this customer. Like when we know that that has a direct correlation back to a greater value, it's it's that rootedness that we experience. It's that true understanding of the greater vision. Mm. And that's good enrollment. <laughs> that's, yes. that's where the enrollment starts. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that. Something I wanted to pull out of that is that values you need to make them tangible because they often start out as part of your dream and part of your vision and they can be quite lofty and I also notice sometimes as well as that we we look at what everyone else out there is doing in terms of their values (laughs) and we tend to replicate what everyone else oh we need to have integrity we need to have quality and it's like every you get just the same values everywhere. And so it's really understanding, no, like these values also set us apart. I, Chaley's like nodding. I think you should. <laughs> like, I know this video won't be, I'm trying not to like be like, yes, cut in, I need cut in. <laughs> I'm giving like thumbs up in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go girl. <laughs> yes. Everyone go back a few seconds on that and re-listen to that. You do not need to embrace what other people's value systems are. You have your own. <laughs> mm, mm. And, and 
that's often why your company is different or why your business is different and remembering that. Um, yeah. So yeah, make your values tangible and make them really your own as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Let's have a chat about boundaries because I know this is something that when leaders are running or hiring teams, they suddenly realize, oh, I can't do business like I was. I can't turn up in my pajamas to work and be here till midnight or whatever it is that you do. I'm sure you don't do that. But suddenly you realize, okay, I'm I'm modeling behaviors for my team. And boundaries is one of the things that keeps the ship running and keeps us in integrity with our own personal values as well. Mm-hmm. How do you help business owners to navigate boundaries, navigate these perhaps these conversations with their team members and and really model boundaries really well for for their growing team? Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's another one of those parts of your business that has to be a consistent conversation, an ongoing conversation, because there will be seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Where I mean, when you're coming up against a project deadline and you need all hands on deck <laughs> to get something done, um, boundaries will look different in that moment. And if you've enrolled your team well, usually everyone's on board. And if you're communicating that well and saying, hey, we need all hands on deck and and I might need a little more in this season from you. If people are bought in and they believe in the mission of that project and they are excited about the work that they're doing and using their skill sets, boundaries is typically not an issue. It's, it's not usually a situation where they're like, oh, sorry, I can't, got to clock out. They're usually excited and running with you. Mm-hmm. But that would require that you have set up a system where you then honor the rhythm. You honor the moment when the pendulum has to swing back and there has to be a more clear-cut boundary, right? And that's where with small businesses, I think it is a more ebb and flow than an organization that has structured business hours and you don't look at email past 6 p.m. Um, and so I think when we talk about boundaries, we sometimes think that just means when do we put up our vacation responder and when do we look at email and when do we not look at email? And I think that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to boundaries. I think modeling boundaries is actually a greater conversation around mm. work-life integration. It's mm. how am I doing all of this? Well, how am I, how am I showing up as the my full self at work and my full self in my life? And how am I doing that in a way that others can see that and feel permission to do the same. So I I always talk about work-life balance um, as a myth. I say work-life balance is a myth because I think we're on a teeter-totter. So it's never that it's actually perfectly balanced. The point of a teeter-totter is not to be perfectly balanced where your feet are just dangling, although that is fun when you're five. But the purpose of a teeter-totter is to be in motion and in movement. And so if you're looking at it as work on one side and life on the other, or personal versus the professional, you could look at it that way. It's, it's a constant rhythm where there are some moments when the professional will, will require a bit more of you. And then, gosh, there are moments when the personal requires a lot more of you. I We are in the process of, we just sold our house in LA. And that process has taken a lot of my energy and my focus. And it's taken a lot away from work because I feel like I've shown up at meetings at work where I'm like, I'm not prepared. And I just need to own that with all of you because we were signing escrow documents, right? So there's things where this teeter-totter sways back and forth. And so the goal, again, is not balance, but instead it's alignment, right? A teeter-totter stays stable and steady. 
And so you know that that process is about figuring out integration points so that you've created a process for your life where when work requires more, you have systems in place to focus on that and your life is stable and you've created systems in your life to support that and the other way too. So when life gets crazy, when your kids need you, when you know you have a family member who reaches out in a moment of crisis, when you have just a day that you need to be just off from life, right? And and call out of work, even if it's your own business, that you have systems set up at work to support that as well. And as small business owners, we have to consistently be in that process and modeling that because we need to invite our teams in to do that in their own world. They're on their own teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. And so we have to show them that way so that they know, okay, I've, I've seen this done well. I've seen somebody live in that rhythm of sometimes it's work, sometimes it's life, but they work, they're integrated so that they can find that process too. And I think as leaders, it's our responsibility to ask the right questions to help them get there. I don't think we can necessarily always show them the way because all of our lives are so different and marked Mm -hmm. by so many different pieces of who we are, but we can ask the right questions to make sure that they're prioritizing their own value. When we talked about values being different between people, even how do we help our employees prioritize their own values and and set up their own boundaries and have that feedback loop in place to know when to support them more. Mm. So that's, that's my boundaries answer. It kind of went all over, but (laughs) integration Mm. is the goal. That's where I would say integration is the goal and boundaries are the it's your tool for navigation in that journey. Mm, mm. And it's not a, in, in my personal life and working life, it's not a share the boundary once and it'll be okay. Like you say, (laughs) things ebb and flow and they change, but also you, sometimes you break your own boundaries or Mm -hmm. you um, don't honor someone else's. And so, like you said, you come back and you have that feedback conversation, whether it be with yourself because you've gotten sick, you know, you've overworked yourself and said yes too many times or whether you've neglected someone in your life. And so don't don't think that boundaries are something that you can put out there and then go and run the other direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you cannot. Yeah. I, I worked in a large organization in higher ed for a long time. Yeah. And I, I remember when they did an all, all university meeting and they said, we want to honor people. And so supervisors, do not email your teams after 6 p.m. We're going to do a university-wide sign-off at 6 p.m. Well, that's great, but... Then the next time I knew an email would come after 6 p.m. because the nature of the work we were in on the university was we were on all the time. There was always emergencies with students living on a college campus. Mm. And so that framework was set up but didn't honor the actual work we were doing. So then when the supervisor sends an email past 6 p.m., instead of being like, oh, yes, of course, this was going to happen, my first reaction was, well, you said you weren't going to email past 6 p.m. or that we shouldn't, even though I knew it wasn't a possible system to uphold and support, but it, it just goes to show it, it looks different across the board, right? And and that led to a whole conversation around it's not just hard times that we turn off our work or our life. It's, it's really figuring out a better process of integration mm. because I think for so long we saw boundaries as black and white and and it's not an either or it's a it's a both and conversation and that's why it's rooted in this topic of integration how do we better become leaders who are better integrated 
in the way that we approach work and life? How do we integrate work and life well versus how do I set up boundaries and, and that then be done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is a great conversation. And I hope that everyone who's listening to this is, is getting something out of it. Don't mm-hmm. feel overwhelmed either by all of this stuff because your leadership journey is a journey. So mm-hmm. it's 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 life's work. It's going to ebb and flow. It's going to change over time as things grow, as things open, as they close. One thing that I wanted to finally touch on is a great product you've created though to help leaders at a very simple level to come back into, I guess, some of these concepts that we've been talking about, come back into values. Uh Could you share with us what that product is? And it's really fun because I love when companies innovate and they create things like products to support the work that they're doing, the bigger work that they're doing. Tell us about this. (laughs) Yeah, so this this past fall, I launched Leader Cards, which are a daily developmental tool for leaders. It's meant to make this idea of leader development accessible. And so I told you, the problem for leaders was that they don't have enough time for development and they're craving feedback. And so it really is a solve for that. It's to figure out how do we create developmental moments in our leadership day, right, as leaders, And then how do we do real-time development for ourselves? So this is like a self-guided tool. It's it's cards that come in a pack that are rooted in some some core values or some virtues and even just some leadership qualities that we really admire. But I really wanted this to be something that was accessible, truly. And so it's, it's meant for leaders who are willing to show up and do the work themselves. And so it's, you pull a card in the morning and you set an intention for the day. And then there are some reflection questions that go with that, that should take, depending on how quickly you reflect as a leader, but like three to five to 10 minutes. And so that you can unpack your leadership of, if I, so like one of the words is courageous. So, and with that, there's a definition of courageous, but then you as a leader take that intention and look at your day and say, if I'm going to be a courageous leader today, what does that mean for what I have booked across my schedule? What does that mean for the conversations I'm going to show up in? And so it's setting that intention so that it's at the forefront of your day, which we know part of that is rooted in mindfulness and some of this theory of intention implementation. And so then you can do real-time development for yourself so that when you're in that conversation and you are about to back down and not speak up about something, you could say, no, my word for the day was courageous and I'm going to show up in that way. And I've planned for this. And so you get to be the courageous leader that you know you are. And then all of that is tethered with the personal growth and reflection that you then do at the end of the day. And so there's some guided prompts for the end of the day of how did you do that well? And what would you do differently? And how will you integrate this practice more regularly? So there's there's 30 intentions that you could pull on any given day. And some people set it up for their week for development. But it's the idea that it's quick feedback. It's all about personal development and growth, but it's integrating these leadership intentions that are really valuable to the way that we honor our employees, how we honor ourselves in our leadership development. And it is hopefully the guide for your day. So that's what it is. I love it. (laughs) And they are beautiful, might I add as well, beautiful artistic collaboration or the graphic designer that you've worked with to create those. They're really really incredible and 
do you ship to Australia with those? Oh, I should have guessed this question was coming. I, I don't yet, but I'm going to figure it out because I just at least need to get you a set, huh? Yeah. So I, we'll figure it out. We're going to figure out internet. We're in kind of our second iteration. So those launched in the fall, right before Christmas. Um, mm. I developed some additional resources that go with those leader cards. So that for the leader who needs a little bit more uh, handholding along the way to get up and going with them, that they would have that, that guidance from me. And so so now we're almost at iteration two that we'll be launching soon. And, and so with that, I'll add Australia to my, my goals list yes. to Australia. That's where I'll start. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please do. Please do. Yeah. I feel like there are going to be so many people listening to this that that would be an awesome starting point for them. Even if they had these concepts and they started to get familiar with some of those things, this has been an incredible conversation and diving into an area that I'm very passionate about that I haven't had the opportunity to talk to someone at length and nerd out on leadership for a, a few years in this kind of uh, depth. So thank you so much, Shaylee, for your time and you. for sharing your wisdom. You really are a smart woman. And I'm so glad that you right back at you, right back at you. I could talk about this leadership stuff all day with you. (laughs) Sometimes it's funny. I feel like people must think, oh, they're just having a conversation between themselves about something they love. Yes, but you also all get to benefit from it. So yes, thank you, Shaylee, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Truly, thank you.